Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Now in Open House, we mark a poignant moment. 30 years ago, that one of the pioneers of contemporary Christian music at the top of his game tragically died in a plane crash. He was Keith Green, who at the age of just 28 was the man behind music like this. The plane crash in Texas also claimed the lives of two of Keith Green's children. He was known for his mix of beautiful music, the purity of a gifted voice, and lyrics that mixed the praise of God with sometimes confrontational challenges to those who listened. In the years and decades that followed, Keith Green's wife, Melody, has kept the flame of his music alight. Thirty years ago this weekend, Wes Jay was a DJ hosting a radio program in country Victoria when he was phoned with this tragic news. So it's been a particularly poignant day for Wes, as it is for many people around the world. Keith Green was my very first taste of Christian music. It began on a high. Wes Jay, welcome to Open House. Hi, how are you? Fine, thanks, Wes. How have you been remembering that day 30 years ago this weekend? Well, it's been a a crazy time, I guess. There's still part of the broadcaster in me because uh, right around Australia, I've been making radio programs, which have been picked up by a number of stations around the country, uh, which uh, I I guess is my way of processing the deep affection and love that I've had for Keith Green over many, many years. Same here. I'm sure it came as such a shock. Again, the guy was only 28. Absolutely. I was uh, doing my breakfast show on uh, in Western Victoria and uh, Kevin Hooper, who had been a mate of mine for many years, he was previously the uh, manager of Word in Sydney and of Spotlight Music. And uh, he rang me one morning and said, I've got some bad news for you, mate. Uh, Keith Green had died. And I thought the challenge for me was how do I try and share that to an audience which knew nothing really about Keith Green's music. But then I remembered that Marsha Hines many years before had recorded one of his songs which he'd co-written with Randy Stonehill, Todd Fishkind and others and that was called Your Love Broke Through. It was a massive hit for uh, Marsha uh, but I guess that was the point of connection that um, many in the general music community had with Keith. But in the Christian community, that was a song that certainly helped define him. Indeed. He had such a young start in the business, didn't he, Wes, with his dad from, I think, about the age of 12. They signed a recording and publishing deal with Decca Records, and he became the youngest member ever of the American Society of Composers, Authors and Publishers. It was quite an amazing time because he started playing piano when he was about six years old. He came from a family which was a show business family and uh, that both brought him, you know, an incredible amount of confidence, but at the same time, uh, there's also a downside with that. What he did at age 11, he made his first album, but Interestingly enough, that album was never released, although three singles from the album were. And if you go searching at the moment on uh, various digital platforms, you'll find Keith Green, The Early Days, and there's a few songs on there that you'll be able to grab. It just was a massive expression of this kid, 11 years of age, kind of doing like uh, what 
Donny Osmond would later do, but unfortunately it never uh, really burst into something that was big. Yes, Decker had plans to make him a teen idol until Donny Osmond came along. Yes, and uh, I, I think like he was doing television shows like I've Got a Secret, and uh, which what an incredible opportunity for someone who's 11, already had written about 50 songs by that time, and he uh, was just ready, I guess, to break. But as uh, all of us know, not everybody who has got talent breaks. No. He then went on to do the drugs and rock and roll thing, married Melody quite young, and then together they came to Christian faith. Absolutely. Like he'd been through a lot of different things like many people in that era did. And ultimately, uh, he uh, got connected into the Vineyard Church, uh, where it was close to him in the Woodland Hills area in uh, California, and uh, basically put his roots down there for several years before moving to Texas. He teamed up with Randy Stonehill, which was an important partnership, wasn't it? Randy Stonehill uh, lived pretty close to him, and Randy Stonehill was a key figure in his life because Randy, uh, like many others who were working around California at that time, uh, had discovered this contemporary Christian music. And it was something that was relatively new to Keith because one of the things that Keith wanted to do, you know, with all of his heart, was because the 11-year-old career move failed. He still wanted to be a pop star. And so Keith was going out doing all the pubs and the clubs and, and doing all the things that you do as a musician, as a singer and as a keyboard player. But the connection with Randy just topped it off. Keith just would work at 100 miles an hour, so to speak, and just try and pull all these people together uh, to be able to just create one single song. And uh, Randy once uh, would say, okay, uh, have a listen to what we're thinking about. Now you write the words. (laughs) You know, God has told me you're writing the words. And and that's how you love broke through, broke through. (laughs) Yeah. Wes, how do you distinguish Keith Green's music from some of those other early Christian music pioneers emerging around the 70s? I think he was good. Yeah, he was. And I think that was the key. And one of the things, I remember first hearing uh, the album. I was in a spotlight music one day in, in the city. That was in Pitt Street in Sydney. And uh, it had just come in, and I was certainly out looking for new music to play on my radio show. And I, when I heard this, I just went, wow, this is incredible. I heard that song called Because of You. I heard your love broke through and songs like You Put This Love in My Heart. And they were things which I'd heard Christian music before by people like the second chapter of Acts, Love Song, Barry Maguire, which I really loved. Mm. But there was something about Keith who was able to crystallize pop music in a remarkable way. In other words, all the conventions of pop and also just to be able to deliver a powerful message, which I don't think others had been able to do as effectively as what he could. Yes, indeed. That's a great insight. He had a great passion alongside the music for social justice, and he was with that a man who didn't mince his words, did he? I I think that's one of the things, you know, I I mentioned earlier, you know, downside, you know, that he was always straightforward. He was always honest. And sometimes he was thoroughly intimidating. And uh, that was certainly the case uh, with a number of people that he worked with. And it was like, ah, 
had Randy Stonehill described it, it was like working with the 100-mile-an-hour freight train, you know, know, in terms of personality traits. He was the steamroller, you know, and he was just going to go through and barge through regardless. I'm so pleased to say and so grateful to you because you hold the rights for this interview that we've got a grab from 1979, an interview that he did with Keystone magazine, about his passion for the poor and social justice. Wes, just let's um, recall that now. The churches in America, and I seem to see it in Australia, seem to be existing for the wrong reason. They seem to exist for the pleasure of Christians and the containment of Christianity, rather than for the glory of God and the explosion of Christianity on the secular world. I see Christians who are satisfied with experiencing quote-unquote Christian things like praise and worship and gatherings and services and potluck dinners and singles fellowships and so on. Whereas that was never supposed to be the function of the church. The church was to train up people and equip them for outreach into the dark world, plus prepare the body to be the bride of Christ for all eternity, to glorify God. Everything comes back to the glory of God. But when things start coming back to the pleasure of Christians, which is not necessarily the glory of God, you get a selfish, stagnating, almost a cancerous church. Don't get me wrong, I love the church. And also, don't get me wrong, I I don't think that all the people in the gospel music industry are a bunch of sharks trying to make a buck. In fact, most of the people I've met in the gospel music industry are dear brothers and sisters obeying the light they have. And I'm not saying I have a bigger light or a greater light. I have to obey what God's told me to do. And he's told me that for me it's wrong to sell anything that has the truth in it. At all. You You can't sell the truth. You freely have received, freely give. That's a biblical principle. And he's also told me that it was never his will for the gospel to turn into a major money-making industry. That doesn't mean he can't use it. It doesn't mean that he can't glorify himself through it. And it doesn't mean that these people can't do it and still be obedient to God. Because I know that a lot of these people are doing exactly what God's told them to do. But God's going to change it. And he's going to fight, not against Christians, but against Christian industry. He's going to fight it. Because it doesn't glorify him in the long run. It only makes people in the world more skeptical of all of our motives. How... Can a non-Christian trust a Christian who's ministering to him and at the same time not only making a living, but making a fortune? I see these ministers these making literal millions and living like they're making millions. And I'm not going to name names, but driving Mercedes and living in mansions and, and being picked up in limousines. I'll never forget the day a guy came to our church to teach on quote-unquote financial principles of the kingdom. And he drove up in a Mercedes. <laughs> and I said, well, this guy just shot his whole testimony right down out the drain. Because <laughs> Jesus was born in a borrowed stable. He rode into town on a borrowed donkey. He his last supper in a borrowed room. Died on a borrowed cross and was buried in a borrowed grave. That's the Lord of Lords, the King of the universe, the creator of all good things. And if that's the life he lived and told me to take up my cross and follow him, I have no right to live any differently. And if I do live any differently because of some new revelation the Holy Spirit has told me, that means that God contradicts himself, and that's not true. And even the things he owned when he died got taken away from him, and they cast lots for his clothes. Gave away his mother to John. He did. He says, look, behold, your mother. This is your mother now. She's not mine. (laughs) The words of Keith Green in 1979, Take No Prisoners Uncompromising, Wes. 
Absolutely. It was from an interview that Don Gillespie, who was the editor of Keystone magazine, recorded. It was the only interview, to my knowledge, that was actually for the Christian media recorded here in Australia. And uh, my connection with that was that I was uh, working for Keystone magazine and working with Don back in the 1970s and uh, early 80s. It's been saved over these years in a way that has been very fortuitous, I guess, because it's been great to hear what he's had to say. But it's worthwhile um, putting something about what he just said into context. Yes. Because according to uh, Keith's white melody, Keith would regularly bring street people home. That was something that he did habitually. People who needed to be discipled or they just needed a home or they needed to be counselled, Keith would just pick them up in parks and whatever and bring them home. And many of them stayed. And when things got big and you couldn't fit them into the house in Woodland Hills anymore, what he did is rented several houses in the neighbourhood and even uh, bought the house next door. Keith loved to just talk into the night because that's where he found special revelation. And anyone uh, who needed a breakthrough in, in their lives, he would just help. By that I mean, you know, not only with, quote, ministry, but also he was incredibly generous with his time and money. Again, just putting into context some of the things that you heard, Keith didn't wear designer clothes and he didn't drive a great-looking car either, but he loved to give. And incidentally, most of the money that Keith earned from record sales went into buying food and housing for the people that God kept sending them, mainly street people. You saw him in concert twice. What was he like? Yes. Uh, there was uh, something in the city of Sydney where I was living at the time, and I think it could have even have been uh, Wesley Centre or something like that. It was a very small room, and uh, it was a Saturday morning, and he performed, and it was kind of like, from memory, it was a musician's workshop, and he just did what he did in a remarkable way. There might have only been 100, 200 people there. But uh, on the 1st of December, 1979, there was a significant event that occurred out of Brookvale Oval, and there was something in Melbourne as well around that time. And it was kind of like a, a one-day Easter Fest event, and Keith Green was the draw. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, Stevie Wright was performing, and uh, Stevie was performing the song called Evie, you know, Let Your Hair oh, Hang yes. Down. <laughs> and it was a, a Christian festival, but because at that time, uh, Stevie Wright made a Christian commitment, and Keith got very concerned. He was going, what in the heck is this, you know, uh, thinking that he'd uh, been conned into the form at a mainstream event. He just couldn't reconcile that at all. Yeah. And so he refused to go on at Brookvale Oval. He was not going to perform. And the event was organised by Keystone Records and also Rima Artists. And the head of Rima Artists was David Smallbone, who is uh, Rebecca St. James' dad. This is before Rebecca became anything like she is today. And it was like, he's not going on. What are we going to do? Um, and he was concerned that the Evie that was being sung about was actually having a dig at a Christian artist of the time who was very popular called Evie Tornquist. I remember her too. <laughs> and, yes. uh, so uh, it took a fair amount of uh, talking. Uh, they, they turned around. On stage. They turned, but I tell you what, there was about an hour there where it wasn't going to happen. The other thing was that uh, he was expecting a grand piano. <laughs> 
uh, out in uh, Brookvale Oval. And there was no way that they were going to do that. So that was another reason why he wasn't particularly wanting to perform. Yeah. Look, he had a high expectation of uh, people who were around him, and he usually got it. You know, he was difficult, you know, as you can hear, uh, to work with at times. But I tell you what, to some extent, that's what you need to be able to achieve what you've done. To push through. So how will the world this weekend have been remembering Keith Green's music, Wes? With a lot of affection. And I think uh, people uh, right around the world at the moment are going, well, who is this man? What is it about his music that touched my heart? And I think there's a couple of things that really are important to say. One of his messages was evangelism. He was giving a message, which I don't think I've heard as effectively put together as anybody else. One of the things that Keith did was really put the value of Christian concerts into context. And one of the things he said is that the value of Christian concerts is not about Christians getting together and having a good time kind of like what he was saying in the grab that you played. But this is about mobilizing the Christian community to go out, to be able to fulfill the Great Commission. And one of the things that he also said was, since we've all been called to go out, raise your hand if you've been called to stay at home. The point was, he was a man who really helped so many mission organizations get large numbers. Maybe a better way of saying that would be Keith Green was a man who inspired many others to go to the mission field. And it was at that time the world, the Christian community saw a great outpouring of missionaries all around the world. And that's largely related to Keith Green. Together with some great music. Wes, uh, Jay, thank you so much indeed for joining us to remember him on a weekend like this and to take us out one of his marvellous pieces of music, How Majestic Is Thy Name, Keith Green. Take 
Hope you enjoyed this open house podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.